0: Let's go ahead and let's pray with me before we get started this morning. Jesus, we thank you. Um, we thank you, Lord, that, that you walked out of that grave. We're thankful, Lord, that you provide a way for us to be in relationship with you, Lord. And we're so thankful that you loved us so much <clears throat> that you went to the cross. Yeah, and we're just thankful that uh, we get to come together as a body and worship you this morning. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll speak and we'll hear you clearly. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Morning. My name is Jeremy. I am the youth pastor here at Stonebridge. And so I'm excited about sharing with you this morning. If you're joining us online, we're glad y'all are joining us um, as well. And so this morning, we want to look at a, a few things. First, I have to admit something. Last night was the most normal night I've experienced in like seven or eight months. I'm not a big Halloween person, not my thing at all, but it was just like, this is normal. So it was really good for me and my family uh, just to be able to go and and be just whatever uh, for a night. So I'm really thankful for that. Like I said, not normally, Halloween is not my thing, um, shockingly, I'm sure. But um, it was good, and so I hope it was good for y'all as well. This morning, we're going to look at Ezekiel 37. Y'all know this passage is the dry bones passage. Y'all probably heard. Hundreds of sermons on on dry bones, all of them will be better than what i 'm about to share with you, but what we want to do is kind of just dive in and look at what God has for us in that passage and so first, just a little context for the for the why um, I have a group of guys and girls that meet with me. We hang out at my house on monday nights and we 've been meeting for the last eighteen months or so um, and we're just walking through different parts of the Bible and I made the mistake of giving them the choice of what we study each time and so they picked this last time to study Ezekiel. And I've never done a deep dive into Ezekiel. I've read it before, never went into that deep dive place. And so after 10 weeks of studying, the first 10 chapters, everybody walked in and were like, Ezekiel again, right? There's not a whole lot of encouraging words in Ezekiel, the first 30. 30- two chapters of it. It's pretty much, hey, you're bad, I'm going to destroy you unless you change, they don't change, and then you're going to get destroyed. So it's like that over and over again. And so after week 10, they came in and said, can we just skip to dry bones and then move on? So I was like, yeah, absolutely, we can do that. And so it got me thinking, it got me looking at this passage, and it's something, again, we've heard a number of times, but really not something I've ever just sat in and kind of listened to the Lord for or really thought about application-wise, right? It's this vision that Ezekiel has. It's a, it's a higher order vision for sure. I like to rank them, and he seems like he's a special guy when it comes to vision. Him and John get this kind of transportation in the spirit deal. John into heaven and Ezekiel into this valley of dry bones. And it's like, it seemed to me for a long time so abstract and so specific to the people in Israel at the time that I never really got a whole lot out of it. But this time, just taking some time, setting aside, setting aside kind of the preconceived ideas, and let myself be open to what God wanted to say, I felt like he spoke really clearly um, on this passage. So I'm going to read the passage, and we'll work through, I'm going to read it all the way through, 1 through 14, and then we'll kind of work through it step by step, and then look and see how, um, how we can apply this to our lives. So, Ezekiel 37, 1, y'all can get your Bibles out to go there if you, if you want. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by, my spirit, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So we're going to live quite a bit this morning in that in that verse 14 of i'm going to put my spirit in you and we'll talk about that but i do want to walk through the passage just for a couple of minutes just briefly look at what the passage says both to the israelites who were hearing it for the first time from ezekiel and for us and so the idea here is that ezekiel again like i said is transported in the spirit to this valley over a valley of dry bones and there's this emphasis on the dryness of these bones right he kind of gets this tour of looking at them. And it, in my mind, I'm picturing you grab them and they just kind of turn to dust, right? That They're that brittle and they're that dry. And I think what God is showing Ezekiel is that these are the people who were slain when, when the land was conquered and they're people that haven't been taken care of. They haven't been given the proper burial rites and they've just been left out and dried up. And there's, I think the emphasis is there's that absolutely zero life in this. The bones should have done that on their own, but I think God really wanted to drive it home. These things, these are dead people. There's nothing in them. And so as he's transported, he gets there, and God just starts walking him through. It's this recognition point. It's this recognizable point that these people are separated. And really for me, what spoke to me about that is that's no different than right now. There are tons of people that we pass by every day that are walking around as physically breathing and walking and doing their thing, but spiritually they're as dead as these dry bones. They're dried up and there's nothing in them and we walk past them day after day without the opportunity to share. I was convicted about that with one of, the, one of the ladies that's in our group on Monday night. She, she came a few weeks ago and started sharing her story about how she became a believer and how she started following Jesus. And I think she would probably say she was radically saved into this life of following Jesus. And because of that, whenever she goes out to restaurants or goes anywhere, she just starts asking the Lord, what do you have for my server? Or what do you have for the table next to me? And she just listens to the Lord and starts to share with them boldly whatever, whatever God tells her. And so she shares with her server. And it's like some of the guys were telling me, it's like it's kind of hard to go out to dinner with her. Because every time it takes a really long time because she's praying. And, and some of the restaurants only give you 75 minutes. And we spend 20 praying for the server. But that's the thing. that It's, it's this idea of recognizing, Right. Ezekiel's taken out to the valley. It's easy for him. He sees dry bones on the ground. And for us, we're looking at flesh and blood, but there's a lot of spiritual death that surround us. And that's why I I impress on our students in our student ministry all the time, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Tell somebody about it. Tell them your testimony. Give them what's going on in your life. That's why we call it 1 16 from Romans 1 16. We're unashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save all those who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And they understand, back up, they don't understand. I'm not that great a communicator. But they hear over and over again of this is an important thing. And this, this story shows us how important it is to continually and constantly share the gospel with people. And then God asks Ezekiel the question, right? Right? In my mind, when he says that, what I hear is God saying, what do you think I can do with this? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know, you're the only one that knows. And God just speaks life to these bones through Ezekiel. He gives us this prophecy. Now, he gives us one whole passage where he tells us the entire prophecy, and then he breaks it down into steps of prophetic words to these bones. The first one being... um, to, to speak life to the bones, and the result is the bones start rattling, and they come together. I don't know, like, am I, I try to picture this in my head. I'm not that creative, and so it didn't work out real well for me, but I'm just thinking of like a skeleton's on the ground at Halloween, like we just did, and then just coming together, and next thing you know, it's flesh and blood, right? And it's still laying there. He speaks life. he speaks, not, not life, excuse me. He speaks to the bones, and they come together, and they form bodies on the ground. They're still dead, right? Some people say, they met, well, they're asleep, but they're still dead. It's not until he prophesies the second time and calls, it speaks breath into them, right? Like Genesis 2, when God speaks breath into Adam in Genesis 2, this is the same idea, the same concept. God is speaking through Ezekiel to speak breath into these lifeless bodies on the ground. And Ezekiel says they stand up and they're like this, this army, right? This huge number of of people who were just brought to life only through, only through God and through God speaking to them. And then we get to where I say it's kind of my moment in the passage, right? He says, the, the Israelites are say, well, our bones are dried up. They just, about, you know, they just got taken from bones to life. And the Israelites are saying, well, our bones are dried up. We are cut off from the Lord. We are hopeless For me, that's, that's, that's where I live a lot of the time, right? I've had the encounter with Jesus. I've become a follower of Jesus. And there are still some times in my life where I look out and say, man, where's God? I feel like I'm hopeless. And I have two responses when I get to that place. One is to turn inward, barricade myself in, and just get really about me and wallow in self-pity. And the other step for me is to see every challenge and see every conflict and just start running through every one of them like they're walls, right? It just depends on the day where I can feel really sorry for myself or I can just start blowing everything up. But I never sit in that place, not never, I rarely sit in that place where I just listen to the Lord and just step into the direction he's calling me to step into. I always feel like it's about me. And we end the passage in verse 14 where God's saying, I'm going to bring you back and let you settle. And we know that's true because we went through Ezra with David. So we know that's a fact that the Israelites were allowed to come home. But he also says, I'm going to give you my spirit and my spirit will live in you. And that doesn't happen until we get to Pentecost. right? That's the, that's, that is my fa- like if Halloween's terrible. I hate it. Pentecost, I love it. Nobody celebrates it. But I love Just that moment of being filled with the Spirit and seeing what the Spirit is doing. And it's God breathing his life. And you see the the passage in Acts. And it's just like the church coming together and speaking truth to people. It's what it looks like to be devoted to the Lord 100% completely and falling in love and going after him, right? It's this running after Jesus that happens when the Holy Spirit is put in us. And so we have to, to move into that direction. And so all of this, I think, brings us into three categories. And I hate categorizing people. If you tell me you're a this, I'm like, I'm not that. Like Enneagram, everybody says you're an eight. And I'm like, I hate the Enneagram. I think it confirms it. (laughs) But it puts us, it's these three things, right? We're either dead, dormant, or devoted. And we are, there's differing levels, there's differing spots along this, and there's differing aspects of what this looks like but I feel like that's exactly where we are and because you're here I'm pretty confident none of you fit in that dead category but if you do we want to introduce you to Jesus today and we want to pray for you to receive him so that we can move beyond that but when you look at what it means to be dead Ephesians 2 1 through 3 says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we we were by nature deserving of wrath. We've all been there. All of us have been in that place. I've told you all my story from the front multiple times. It wasn't until 25 that I had an encounter, a real authentic encounter with Jesus that transformed my life. And I was 100% that. That, that was like my life described by Paul in Ephesians. But Jesus came into my life because people who were devoted to him prayed for me. Again, for two years, it took this group of people praying for me, a group of teenagers praying for me when I was a teacher to actually engage and realize what it meant to be in relationship with Jesus. And so all of us know that person. All of us know those people who don't have that relationship. And we may not feel comfortable going up and walking up to them and, and speaking the gospel and speaking truth into them. But if you don't, you, can, you 100% can pray for them. You can 100% Just bring them to the feet of Jesus daily and ask him to move in those places. And I would encourage you to take the risk of stepping out. I I believe that being comfortable is one of the greatest challenges we find in our faith. As long as we stay comfortable, we don't really understand or get to experience God in the fullness that he wants wants us to experience him. And so I'd encourage you to share, pray, prophesy, right? Listen to the Lord. If he gives you an encouraging word, share it for that person give it to them. It's only going to encourage them. Well, I don't expect many of us to be in that category of dead people, I do believe that a lot of us, me included, at different times in my walk with Jesus, fall into this dormant state. This dormant place where I go through the motions and just kind of engage. I set aside, God, you've got 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning. That's your time. After that, we'll check in tomorrow. And we hit those marks and reading our Bible is good and worshiping is good and praying is good. But a lot of times what we miss is that relational component. I know I miss that relational component sometimes where I don't engage him relationally. I only engage my brain with him and that move. And and then I move on really quickly. And my only informing of what it looks like to be a Christian comes through my brain and how I process the Bible and not from my heart and understanding how much he loves me and what he's done for me. I believe this passage sends us the picture. If you look at Revelation 19 and 20, if y'all remember that when we did, I don't know how long ago we did Revelation. It feels like forever. But in 19 and 20, there's this scene where the heavens open up and the people are worshiping and they're engaging the Father and they're telling him how great he is and it's this picture of what heaven's going to look like and immediately when that spiritual resolution or restoration happens, the enemy comes against them, Right? The war breaks out, and really what happens is is Jesus then says, I got this, and he turns and goes forward ahead of all the multitudes, and and he defeats the enemy. And I think what causes us to be dormant and stifle our our faith and stifle our engagement and relationship is when when the enemy attacks, when the challenge happens or the conflict happens we either, like me, turn inwardly and become hopeless and we just wallow, or we try to blow it up, but neither time are we completely submitted to the Spirit and letting Him lead. All He's wanting to say to us, again, Ephesians 5.14, this is what it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So instead of turning inward or going through things and blowing things up, He's saying just wake up. Let me lead you. Galatians 5, 24 and 25 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. Now, my default in every conflict, in every challenge, I may have stretched the truth a little bit when I said i turn inward. I really just kind of plow ahead and go forward. And what I realize is I, I get into that mode of like challenge and conflict and blow it up. And I'm looking around. I'm going, Lord, where are you in this? Why am I not engaging you? And what I realize is more times than not, I'm the one causing the conflict because I haven't submitted myself to him and let him lead me. I've done what's right in my own mind, in my own brain, and I haven't submitted myself. I haven't surrendered to him. And so because of that, I just create chaos a lot of times. But I don't want to forget about those who just turn inward. Sometimes when things look outwardly hopeless, we convince ourselves that they are and we turn inward and we barricade ourselves, spiritually, not physically. We turn it off, right? And we say, we're just going to live here and we're just going to do this and we're going to manage our spiritual relationship relationship, instead of being led by the Spirit. Now, the problem with talking about something like this is you what's so how right how do i how am i led by the spirit and i can stand up here and give you all the church speak that you want to hear pray worship fast read do all and all of those things are really good all of those things are great but if we're not having an encounter with jesus in with our spirit then we're going to just fall into the trap of religious activities John Wesley, y'all all know him. He, he, I read a story about him this past week where he, he's at Oxford. He's this scholar. He is this guy that's doing really well. He joins this, they called it the Holy Club. I'm sure he's fun to hang out with. But he's, they do this thing They kind of meet every single day and they commit themselves to this holy lifestyle. They do prayer and worship. They visit the prisons. And then they, every day they spend their afternoons in three hours of Bible study. And it's from that place that he launched out to the New World, to Savannah, to start his church. And he gets to Savannah. And if y'all know his story, he wasn't the—he failed, to be honest. He failed. And he goes back home, and he goes back to England, and he has this encounter with the Holy Spirit while he's there. And then we know the rest of it, right? The rest is history for the, the great awakening that occurs in England and in the United States where he has this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that encounter looks differently for every one of us. I can't tell you this is what it looks like. It may be different for all of us, but what it does look like is crucifying the flesh and surrendering ourselves to him, right? It's not wallowing in hopelessness, and it's not plowing ahead and going forward. It's simply sitting and listening and say, Lord, what's next for me? Lead me where you want me to go. And almost always, he's calling us into, actually always, he's calling us into deeper relationship with him. I listened to this song yesterday uh, from Maverick City. It's called To You, and I'm not, most of y'all know me, I'm not the most emotional guy, but I'm listening to this song, and I was snot crying in my living room yesterday over this song because it really took the whole thing and made it really, really simple. It says, as you run to him, he runs to you. And that's what it looks like to be in relationship as we're engaging him and desiring him and pursuing him. It just takes one step and he does the rest. It's this acknowledgement of relationship from us and then surrender. Lord, lead me where you want me to go. Lead me in this place. Lord, I'm feeling hopeless Jesus is our hope. Or God, I want to go change the world. Jesus already did. Just follow him. And that's where, we, that's where that dormant place is. And we move ourselves at that point from being dormant. He moves us, I should say, from being dormant to being devoted. We find ourselves engaging him in a new way. We find richness in our study of scriptures. We find passion in our worship. And we find contentment in our prayer. But we keep getting hit with the challenges. But because we're rooted and we're grounded in him, and because we're pursuing him, he takes us through all of those as long as we surrender. I was talking to the high school students on Wednesday night. We do a Bible study, and I asked them the question. I said, where are you right now in your faith? What are you doing? Are you growing in relationship with Jesus, or are you shrinking in your relationship? Are you stepping back? And of course, they're gonna like. I took the easy answer from them immediately. I said, "You can't stay. You're in the middle, right? That's the one they're gonna go for. So you gotta take that away. They gotta choose." I think there were 14 of them. 13 of them said, "I'm shrinking." One of them said, "I I feel like I'm growing for the first time," and I said, "Well, what's the what's what is it? What's keeping you from growing?" And every one of them said, "Busyness. I'm just too busy." And they learn that from somewhere. They just get wrapped up in all the things that are going on. And their devotion, again, gets hit with the busyness and they become dormant. And so we took a song, I played it. I said, I want you all to pray for a word for somebody in the room. I want to play this one song for you. And they sat and prayed. The song lasted 10 minutes and we finished it. I said, now how many of you have 10 minutes to pray for somebody else? And every one of them raised their hands and we were engaged in what it looks like to be a prophet for a few minutes. The same as Ezekiel, someone who is devoted to hearing the Lord. Now, I say the word prophet, some folks are like, yes, go in on that. Some of you are like, easy. Um, What I mean by prophet, you're someone who hears God's voice, not to tell somebody the future, but to encourage people around you. New Testament prophecy is encouragement from God's lips to your ears to the person who needs to hear it. And I wanna encourage you like Ezekiel did. He's speaking life, he's speaking hope. There's enough talk, turn the TV on. There's enough talk of hopelessness and doom and destruction. We need a voice like Ezekiel out there telling people that they're loved, that God loves them, that they're valuable, that they're worthy and that all, of th- whatever people need to hear to encourage them, we need prophets to come forward and speak those. We need devoted followers of Jesus to step out of their comfort zone and share what God is saying about people. All we hear is hate. We're inundated with hate. And all God wants to share is love, and he's asking us to share his words, whether it's Scripture or whether it's something specific. He's asking us to be in Ezekiel and share what he has for people's hearts. And so, my my goal this morning is twofold. One is to, if you're in that devoted category, you're one of those people who I'm I'm here, I want to challenge you to step out. I want to challenge you to share what God's given you and give it away to somebody else. And if you're in that dormant place or in that place where you feel like I'm dead, I just want you to surrender. It's really, all He wants is all of you. You don't have to pick and choose. And I just, my prayer for you this morning is just to surrender yourself to him. Let him speak to you. Let him lead you. If you feel like I'm at the end of my rope, I can't do this anymore, you're right. But he wants to do it with you and for you and lead you through that. So Bo's going to come up. We're going to do two songs to close. This first song, I just want you to sit there and just ask the Lord, where am I? Where am I on this, this thing? And you don't have to agree with the, the categories. That's fine. Just ask him anyway. Where am I? Am I dead? Am I dormant? Am I devoted? And let him speak to you. And just reveal that, whatever, whatever he has for you in that. And just kind of just be quiet. And I'm going to come up in between songs, and we'll, we'll have the invitation to, to, for ministry time at that point. But I just want you to give us a couple minutes and just listen to what the Lord has to say. If y'all would, go ahead and stand with me for this, this song, And kind of the thought I have is that for sitting in this place of being dormant, God just fills up, like that song said. And so I want to open it up in the front um, first for you, Feel if you don't know Jesus this morning, we want to pray for you to, to know him. And there's a lot of people who would who would love to pray for you, and just for you to receive Him this morning. Second, if you're if you feel like I'm in that dormant category and I'm kind of lost, I'm hopeless, or I'm blowing things up, let us pray. We have these spots available. Somebody will come behind you, maybe put a hand on you if you're okay with that, um, and to pray for you. There's a room next door if you want to, if you want more one-on-one prayer time. You can go in there for someone to pray, and they've been done all the required things to be in that in that space with you and if you're in that dedicated place pray for us right now pray as we as we end this time of ministry and pray for this people pray for this by pray for me um, that I'll move out of that place of dormancy and move into deeper relationship and pray for pray for everybody in the room and so we want to open it up uh, Bose and Lisa one more song if you feel led come forward um, and let us pray for you Let me pray Jesus we thank you. That you want to move us into deep relationship, into deep water with you. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll fill the room. That you'll fill our hearts. That you'll continually, daily, fill us up breath by breath. Lead us into a place of following you. Keeping in step with your spirit. And loving those that are around us. We thank you and we love you. Amen.
1: Hey guys, I'm glad you could join us today. I hope it was um, an encouraging time listening in worship with Bo, the songs, and then in, as we stepped into uh, the service with Jeremy. This is a hopeful, encouraging passage. It, it is a passage where we see God's life being breathed out into His people, um, and, and so we're asking God to show us what do you, what do you, what would you like for us to be able to give back to those watching online or our Stonebridge family that is uh, watching online. Um, And for me, it it kept coming back to the New Testament story of Lazarus, that um, it was Jesus' friend who had died, um, and Jesus felt that loss and that pain. But he said in John 11, I looked it up again, verse 15, he says um, that Lazarus is dead and that he is going to raise him back alive so that his disciples would believe The power of God, his working through Lazarus life did spur on the faith of the disciples. Just with his words, he has the power. Um, And so I want to encourage you for those that feel like you are without hope, just as Israel felt as in the exile that we see in uh, Ezekiel 37. If you feel like you're without hope or your hope has died, I encourage you read this passage spend some time in john eleven <clears throat> as we see jesus speaking life and bringing his friend back to life bringing hope back to life um and yeah that's my prayer you'd be able to spend some time in john eleven and really asking god what do you, what do you want to show me and there's so much in john eleven what do you want to show me about your character and what would you like to speak directly to me um, and so that is uh, the biggest takeaway. I've asked Brad to be able to come join. Brad, would you like to share just a little bit about what uh, you heard in the service?
2: Yeah, so you know, dovetailing off of what you said, right? The same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead is alive in us. And so kind of dovetailing that into what Jeremy was saying about time and busyness. We all have so many things going on. And that's the part that stuck with me is I'm so busy, I don't always make that time. And that when I do, my life feels different, right? So just remembering that the Jesus that raised someone from the dead is alive in me and that when I'm disciplined to take that time, right? to sit with him, whether it's prayer or worship or just silence whatever that looks like. It's different for each of us but that it, it just renews it rejuvenates something inside of you and you have kind of that you know and Jeremy touched on it right that prophetic nature of whether you're willing to listen to God to be able to encourage someone or even encourage yourself like David did right. And so I think that that was my takeaway is making sure that I stay disciplined and taking that time for myself to, to listen to what God has to say for me and for others.
1: That's good. Brad. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, and we do hope that you were encouraged today. We're glad you're able to join us um, and
2: we look forward to worship with you guys next week. Have a great day.